Welcome to Granite State Divide, the podcast that brings politics and community together to educate and foster common ground. My name is Kathy Rago, and this is Granite State Divide. Let's get started. On today's program, we welcome Anne-Marie Banfield. She has been on the front lines as a parental rights advocate in New Hampshire, focused on academic excellence and education for over a decade now. So welcome, Anne-Marie, to Granite State Divide. Hello, how are you? Good, good. So I remember meeting you for the first time back in 2011 when I was a state legislator on the Home Education Committee. And you attended practically every committee hearing. You testified at practically every committee hearing. And I remember being so impressed with your knowledge on pretty much any topic regarding K-12, through so much that I, I remember thinking, I've got to meet this woman and tap into that knowledge. <laughs> so I find it apropos that you are my first guest after a, I took an 18-month hiatus on this podcast, and I want to talk to you about CRT, or critical race theory, today. So I know this past legislature, there was a bill to prevent CRT without naming it CRT from being taught in our schools in the state, but it is in fact being taught in some districts. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, we have evidence of that. Okay, so let's dive in. So can you please explain to our audience what CRT is? So I'll try to make this very simple because uh, what what I have found is when you put it out there that, you know, this is critical race theory or um, we, we have a problem with critical race theory in the schools, some people will say, well, technically that's not what critical race theory is. So I want to move beyond the technicalities and move to the reality and what we are actually seeing in the schools under the name of critical race theory. Uh, again, you know, you can you can go back and you can look at critical theory, um, and you can look at at how this is being how it was introduced in, into the colleges and universities, and you might see some a variance, something a little different. But what I'm going to talk about is what we're actually seeing in the schools, what we're actually seeing from more of what I would consider, what I think anybody would consider, radical individuals with a radicalized kind of agenda. And what I mean by that is, so let's you know, kind of identify what you would see in a classroom if they are teaching along the lines of critical race theory. Okay. Uh, it basically is a worldview. It's a worldview that I think is radically different from what most people believe in, in terms of their values or their faith or something along that line. And I think what a good comparison would be to look at the worldview as uh, preached by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And that is a worldview where we are all equal um, under the, the, the eyes of, of the Lord, of, of our God, of our Savior. And, uh, but this worldview is very different. It, 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 it's not one where we are equal. And I think that's what's driving the criticism right now is, is that we're going, we're looking, you know, we've, we've moved in such a good direction, I think, especially given, given the, the, our history, given our history of, of slavery or racism. And we've moved this country, and, it's, and certainly I, I think we can all give him credit for that, and we can give the civil rights uh, movement credit for that, that we have moved in a better direction. But this worldview takes this and makes it completely different. So what you would see, let's say in the classroom is you would see materials or you would see books or you would hear the teacher um kind of some people would describe it as reverse racism. 
where you uh, or the teacher or what you're reading would describe individuals in two categories. Either you are the oppressor or you are the oppressed. Um, you They may not use those terms. So uh, in one book that I read, the term was you are part of the dominant culture or you're part of the subordinate culture. Uh, and obviously, if you're part of the dominant culture or you are an oppressor, that means that you are obviously white. Uh, they tend to stereotype people and say, okay, you might be white, uh, Christian, um, male, uh, and, and you certainly fit into that category. And you may fit into that category if you're a white female. I'm not saying that, you know, you, that you're not in that category, but it's, it tends to be, obviously, they, they seem to be really targeting, and, that, and I use the word target purposefully, because I feel like they are targeting individuals um, or groups of individuals. And in the oppressed category, you would be um, black, brown, a minority, what we would consider a minority. And so you, you walk away with the feeling that either you are a victim, you're oppressed, or you walk away with the feeling that you are um, you know, superior, uh, and so that's what they say is, you know, we're going after those people who, um, who view themselves as superior, even though you may not view yourself as superior, that's pretty much what you're told you are, you, because of your skin color, you are inherently racist. You are inherently a white supremacist. And again, I don't use those terms lightly, but that is their worldview. Their worldview is that you are a white supremacist if you have white skin and you've been brought up in an American culture. I think for, for most people, they see white supremacists as really like the KKK members, somebody that's that radical that deserves that label, that really sees them themselves in that category. And, and I think that's a fair term, but unfortunately for, for the critical race theory, people who are promulgating this, this, this into our schools, they're including everybody. And I think that's what, what happens is, is so a lot of people are responding to that going, wait a second, I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a white racist. How dare you put me in that category with those particular individuals. So, you know, there's a lot more to it, but I think it kind of gives you an idea that that there are two categories. Oh, and by the way, you begin your white racist supremacist journey about the time that you're about three or four. That's what they push. Well, that's interesting because that's where I want to segue into. um, So when when it's being introduced to children, uh, how is that harmful to children with their young developing minds? Right. So it is difficult. And, and so what we're seeing, and we're seeing this in New Hampshire, so please understand that this is not just going on in other states. I, I'm a parental rights advocate in New Hampshire, so I have parents contacting me all the time. For instance, one parent said that you know her daughter was blaming herself for slavery. I mean, she has like an eight, eight or nine-year-old daughter. Um, you know, they, that, they, that how they internalize that is very different than what maybe an adult would, you know, adult like you and I can sit there and we could say, wait a second, I see what you're saying about this, but don't put, you know, don't stereotype me because I don't feel that way. And maybe, you know, maybe there are better ways that we can talk to each other. Um, but to a child, what we're seeing is self-hatred 
because that's what it comes across. They, 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 you come across, if you happen to be a white little boy in a classroom, or even a white little girl, because the, the girls are, coming, are, are internalizing this in a negative way too, that they feel that they were responsible for slavery. They feel that they are, you know, that they're born as, a, as an oppressor. And, and those kind of messages that are being given to them through this worldview now in our schools and so you fit into one of those categories. How how do you internalize that as a child? I mean, you don't right. have those those world thinking skills that allow you to say, wait a second, <laughs> that's right. not me. Right. And it's also interesting because um, it's also um, teaching the opposite of love of country. Um, you know, because when we were growing up, we were taught what a wonderful country the United States is. It's the best country on the planet to live. It's got freedom and liberty. And yet, with critical race theory, teaching these children the total opposite, that we are a racist country. And so it's like they're not, gonna, they're not going to have the, the love of country in 20 years. And that's going to be like a whole generation of right. children who grow up hating the United States of America, which is the freest country on right. the planet. <laughs> right. And, and that's true because it's with those documents, it's with, the, with our founding documents that we, were, that we were able to move away from slavery. It was with the, you know, the Declaration of Independence. It was the abolitionists who were Christians, many more Christians, by the way, appealing to other Christians saying, wait a second. Slavery is not what you know. Not what God, what God would approve of. of the Lord right. would approve of. So they took the foundations of Christianity and they took our founding documents and they appealed. If you read about the abolitionists, they appealed to women in the South, white Christian women in the South, and said, you know, this is not right. You know, you, you, if you're trying to change somebody's views, they appealed to those founding documents where we are created, all created equal right. un, under God, the de- Declaration of Independence. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so I think in the past, you know, we, you know, the, one of the things that, that they criticize, and that what I mean by they is the people that are pushing critical race theories, you know, you're whitewashing history. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to do that. I, I think everybody wants their kids to learn the truth. Absolutely, they need to learn about racism. They learn to, need to learn about slavery. They need to learn about the Jim Crow laws. They need to learn about all of this. Nobody denies that. But at the same time, you can't deny also the good parts of history that what led us out of that and what and the, 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 what the civil rights movement did for this country. And it does take time to change attitudes. And, and so is there more work to be done? I think everybody would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. We have people in other countries coming here in, in boatloads wanting to escape socialism and communism and tyranny for a reason, because we are a free country and no country is perfect, but we have the foundation that set this up, that set up, a, allowed us to move forward and and um, come to this point and do sure maybe there's there's more to go let's focus on that let's focus on what's really important instead of categorizing all white people as if they're supremacists right because nobody you know most people would disagree with that I mean most Christians would say that we're equal under the eyes of God and and whether you're white brown black doesn't matter right there's a verse that says that um, 
there is no male or female bond or free, but they're all are the same under Christ in yeah. Christ's eyes. So, yeah. All right. So, how is it seeping into our schools? So there's a few ways, and and you know we just passed a law HB two that would prohibit, um, you know you could say it prohibits critical race theory, but I would I would actually disagree with that. I think what it does is it prohibits discrimination. Uh, we are you know if you look at the Civil Rights Act, if you look at the Civil Rights Federal Law, uh, you know you can't discriminate. It, that's what that's what the Civil Rights Movement was all about is is equality, and uh, we have equality under the law. And so what, what HB2 does is it just kind of affirms that, that, you know, that we are all equal and that you cannot put people into your superior and you're not superior categories. This is not, this is so, this is a stereotype. This is a prejudice. It's, it's prejudice. It's what it is. Uh, so how do you kind of, um, you know, look at that in terms of the law now, I think, and how is it seeping into the school? Well, you know, teachers are being fed. They're being told, you know, here's some books to read, on, on, and, and it pushes that narrative. And so you're pushing kind of a worldview on teachers. Now the teachers will read it, and they will say, okay, you know, maybe some of them will say, and then i got to tell you, I'm hearing from teachers around New Hampshire that want no part of this. So not all teachers are buying into it. Uh, but many, te- but I'm sure some are, and, and you know we're hearing about that. I, you know, I had a, uh, one teacher contact me, and and um, at one high school in New Hampshire, and said that one of the young teachers that they had recently hired, she's nearing retirement. And one of the young teachers who came from UNH came in and called all of the teachers that were in this department racists. You know, you're you're all inherently racist, and she's and the, the the teacher who said this is white too by the way. So, uh, you know, she's even charging this amongst the teachers and teachers are looking around going, wait a second, you don't even know us. I mean, if you're supposed to be against stereotyping people, why are you stereotyping us kind of thing? That's, that's where you see the hypocrisy. So you'll, so, so some, some of the teachers have bought into it and they're going to bring it into the classroom and they're going to speak about it. But uh, books, you know, they're signing books. There's a book that um, SAU 16 bought for their students for, for next year. And I happened to read the book because I wanted to see what, what it was about. And, <clears throat> and it's, you know, it, again, it puts it, people into the two categories. And it talks, you know, it's a, it's a young, young lady. And she's half white, half black. And she talks about, um, you know, how she grew up. And it, it's, I think what's interesting when you, when you hear their perspective, um, it was what I found interesting was that she took her personal perspective and she came up with this viewpoint that basically all whites are racists and you're inherently racist and this begins you know when you're when you're a toddler and so she didn't appreciate being stereotyped when she was growing up but yet you see that coming through what she's saying and so so that's how it's coming in they might be assigning your kids books um, <clears throat> There's other ways too. Uh, you you might you know if your kids are are watching or doing any online um, work. Uh, for instance, there's this uh, vendor called BrainPop, and BrainPop is supposed to improve your your child's math reading skills, that kind of stuff. And a teacher recently, there it's going viral right now. A teacher went uh, to in front of his school board, a teacher who uses this in the classroom. And talking about how it's coming through what your kids are supposed to be learning math now it's coming through that program so it's it's embedded in the curriculum that's how it's embedded in the curriculum because you might hear that term because somebody might think okay I'm gonna have to watch out for the books that are assigned to my child 
Not necessarily. Yes, you have to look at the books assigned to your child, but you also have to look at all of the materials that they are using in the school because if you look at Brain Pop's website, which I have, it doesn't seem that bad. I mean, it kind of looks like, okay, this isn't so bad. I mean, they even mentioned, you know, as part of their anti-racist um, part of their website, they mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. They mentioned Harriet Tubman. I mean, those are good things to learn about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I, I would I would agree with them. But if they're not putting it on their website, basically what this teacher is saying is there's a whole lot more to this that's coming through when your kids are sitting in front of the computer in our classroom learning. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Yep. How do parents um, discover if it's in their district? So what I've basically done is I say start with the website, go through the website, look for some of these terms, um, anti-racist, because um, that's, I think, a big red flag. If you see diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, that could possibly be, you know, something that kind of says, you know what, let me take a look at, look at that a little bit more. Dive a little deeper in that. Right, because, you know, I think, again, you know, I've had parents say, you know, what about like just appreciation for diversity? Well, I don't think that that's, there's anything wrong with that. Why? I mean, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So I grew up in a very diverse area and with different cultures. And um, I can see, and I have an appreciation for that. So mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's more about the superiority factor. That's what you really want to look for. So what I would suggest is if you see that on the website or if your kids are bringing home anything that raises a red flag, the next step is to file a right to know request and ask for all materials. That, that was my next question. Oh, okay. What do parents do if it's in the district? So sure. Go, go ahead. So <laughs> ask for all materials, uh, everything, you know, there, there's some samples out there. I filed some right to know requests asking to see what they're actually teaching. What are they actually, show me the books that you, your teachers are reading. Show me the materials that you're using in the classroom that has anything to do with, you know, if you say your critical race theory, they're going to probably say, well, we don't teach critical race theory. Okay, so now you have to break it down. Show me what you're teaching in terms of race relations, equity, diversity, inclusion, those kind of things. And again, some things may pop up that's very positive. Um, you know, we, we certainly, I, I certainly don't have an issue with that, and I don't think most people do. Or maybe something pops up about, you know, we want to go a little bit further into history. And if it's factual information, and you know sometimes factual information isn't always pretty and that's okay you know we our kids need to know that we don't want to repeat history we don't want any part of that but again it can't be so negative to think that you like what you said earlier is is walking away with this idea that america is this horrible country this horrible horribly racist systemically racist country well prove it Prove it, because we elected a black man president, right. and and if it's that bad, I can't imagine that that this country would have would have gone down that route. Yeah, interesting. So there's also a um, CRT toolkit out there, mm -hmm. uh, right? And yep. that is the six zero three alliance dot org. Yeah. So that has some some good information for parents. Sure. So it it's going to tell you like how to deal with it if you do find it in your school. Uh, because sometimes, you know, now with the law in place, you have something to fall back on. You can say, look, you're teaching this, but the law says this. Uh, you know, 
hopefully you have uh, administration or you have school board members that will take that very seriously. If they do not, and if that continues, then you have the law on your side. So what you can do is you can file a complaint with the, the, the New Hampshire Department of Education. So what you do is you file a complaint with them saying, you know, here's the evidence, you know, I filed a right to know request. This is the information I was given. It appears to me to be in violation of the law. So I'm filing a complaint and we have a code of ethics. We have a code of conduct that educators must follow now. And if they are not following the law, then they're, they're also violating the code of ethics and the code of conduct. If they're not following the law, they're breaking the law, that, that's clearly a, a right. violation of, of their ethical code. So not only um, are they breaking the law, they're putting their credentials at risk. And so that's something that school board members should know, that if they're going to ignore this and they're going to push this, then your, the people in your district could lose their licensing credentials. If, so you need to be very careful if, if you're going to push this in your district. So you want to make it very clear to your teachers that they could lose their license to teach in the state if they ignore that law and do not follow that law. And it's really not that difficult because I think some people are like, well, you know, oh my gosh, they're not going to be able to teach history now. They're not going to even be able to talk about racism. That's, that's simply not true. It's an anti-discrimination law. And if you think that it's okay to teach children that in this country whites are supremacists all whites are supremacists well that shouldn't be in the classroom we right. have equal protection under the law we have the civil rights act that is against federal law and now it's against state law so you couldn't really do that officially prior to the law in new hampshire and the new hampshire law just basically affirmed that okay that's good. So yes, definitely check the toolkit at the 603 project okay. because that'll it'll also give you some suggestions on you know start a petition, um, you know talk to other parents about what's going on, um, you know those kind of things that that give you ideas on how to deal with this. Right. Okay. Could you take a minute to um, differentiate? One of the buzzwords is equity versus equality. Sure. So and it's too bad because you know. I think we all want equal. I mean, equality. Let's face it. it it's 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 fair. It's it makes sense to remove barriers and put everybody on the same playing field, and making sure that there are no barriers in front of anybody, and allowing us all to compete in the same way. I think that's equality. It's just making sure that there's no barriers to prevent some people. Maybe historically it's been blacks, and, and I think there are examples of where that has happened, uh, and make sure that those barriers are moved. I think that's what a focus on equality is about. Equity, in, in terms of what this movement is about, equity is making sure that everybody ends up in the same place, or, or trying to make sure that everybody ends up in the same place. Well, that's very difficult because you're always going to have, especially in a school setting, you're going to have those kids who want to excel. Right. You're going to have the hard workers. You're going to have the ones that are maybe naturally gifted. Um, and that's of any race. Right. So you want to make sure that those avenues are open for a Dr. Ben Carson who, you know, achieved, uh, you know, what a lot of what you want available to everybody. And so we want to make sure that those barriers are removed so black, brown, and white children, everybody could have that opportunity. It's equality of opportunity. But in, that, in the equity version, they're more focused on equal outcomes again. So 
So instead of worrying about removing barriers, there they might uh, you might see like less uh, less focus on higher level classes. So let's remove those higher level classes, and that way everybody's coming out the same, middle of the road, mm-hmm. versus allowing those few to excel. Well, you're not just hurting white students with that, you're hurting all students. And if your black and brown children want to excel, well, now you've removed those classes, now you've removed that opportunity for them too. So let's be very specific that equity will not just hurt white children, it hurts all children. And my my view of this is if, you know, especially in the poor districts or especially in the in the low income districts, why don't we focus on uplifting those students? Right. Why are we so focused on race? Instead, how about going in there and helping these kids with their math and their grammar and their reading and their science so you're uplifting them academically? If, if that's, if I call that true social justice. Let's right. help them instead of labeling and focusing so much of our time and effort on um, this this agenda that you know I think really is harming our, our kids so how can people you had mentioned that teachers have reached out to you and parents so how can people reach you if they have questions or are seeking guidance so well first of all through you <laughs> you know how to contact me yep. um, I write a lot for Granite Grok in New Hampshire so uh, if you go to Granite Grok and you go to authors you're gonna find me and my contact information's there. But my contact information is very simple. So my name's Anne Marie Banfield. You just flip that around. Banfield Anne Marie at gmail.com. So it's Banfield B A N F I E L D. Yep. A N N M A R I E at gmail.com. No no periods, no dashes in, okay. in that name. Just all, right. all one big name. Great, great, awesome. Okay, I want to take a second before we wrap it up to read this letter an eighth grader wrote to his teacher. Um, so it's Dear Mrs. Whatever her name is. I truly hope you do read this email, but I understand if you are too busy to. I am extremely grateful that you were my teacher this year and for the ideas you finally brought to light recently. I hope you realize how big of an impact you made on our community. Unfortunately, all of what you said is true. I know many students that are scared to speak out on their opinions in fear. I have reluctantly prohibited myself from saying certain things in class, also in fear of sounding politically incorrect. I see the negative effects of this toxic community in my fellow students and faculty every day. Namely, my eighth grade English teacher taught us for the first two weeks about pretty much how awful white men are. For two weeks, I did not speak a single word in her class. My fellow white male classmates left the room every time feeling the same way. For lack of a better word, those teachings made me feel like horse shit, like worthless scum, undeserving of living. Later during that year in my history class, my white classmates were constantly using the pronoun, quote, we, unquote, when talking about slavery. Eventually, I had to raise my hand and remind them that we, quote, unquote, were not and are not part of these despicable acts. Most of our parents were refugees from foreign countries whose ancestors were also oppressed and persecuted. This year, I have battled with countless generalizing and oppression towards white men. There are girls who I'm friends with that genuinely believe that all men are misogynistic. I see movements on social media like hashtag KAM, which stands for kill all men. People mm. don't realize how strongly that affects boys in, a extremely, in an extremely negative way. 
Even now, I'm struggling and frightened to fully express my opinion to my girlfriend, who believes that most white men are oppressive beings. Everyone is talking about your letter. Many, many students, including myself, are extremely grateful for what you've done. My friends and classmates feel much more comfortable <clears throat> expressing their voices, and many minds are changing. So I am once again thanking you for trying to improve our school. I wish I could put into words the extent to which I admire and thank you. I wish I could describe to you the good that you have done. I aspire to be as brave as you someday. So <clears throat> I wanted to read that because that critical race theory is causing our young people to think they're worthless. So I just wanted to just add one last point. There is a... Um, there is an article that I wrote on Granite Rock, and it's called Parents, a Letter to Send to Your Child's Teacher at the Beginning of Each School Year. Please go to that. Please look at the letter. You can adjust it. You can, you can write it in any way, but it gives you a great suggestion of how to address your, teach, your child's teachers at the beginning of each year. And it says, basically, stick to the academics and leave this garbage out. So where can they find that letter? At granitegrock.com. If you go to the authors, you'll find my name, Anne-Marie Banfield, and then look at parents, a letter to send to your child's teacher at the beginning of each school year. You can find that, and I would say just on this podcast, link, link that article. Yeah, too. I will. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about critical race theory. Sure. No All problem. Right. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to Anne Marie Banfield on Granite State Divide. Her contact information and all the links that we talked about are in the description of the podcast. Feel free to share with others on your social media. Until next time.